There's a lost soul who's tired of the sinning. You are listening to the Daily Doctrine Devotional. This is a daily podcast designed to teach and preach Bible doctrine each weekday throughout the year. This is Evangelist Tim McVeigh asking you to please let others know about this podcast so that they can subscribe or tune in each weekday. At the end of the podcast, we will provide you with subscription information as well as contact information for our ministry. Thank you for listening, and we pray that the Lord will help each of us as we study and preach the Word of God. And the saints all with gladness are singing the glorious song of the redeemed. Song of the redeemed. Today on the podcast, we want to take a look again at Psalm chapter 6, and we're also going to look at several other places in the Psalms. And we're going to deal with Psalm 6 and verse 1, where the Bible says, O Lord, rebuke me not in thine anger, neither chasten me in thy hot displeasure. Last podcast, we dealt with the difference, really, between wrath and anger. And uh, we talked about not being chastened in wrath and uh, the unimaginable of being turned over to an angry God and uh, that he would pour out his wrath upon us. And by the way, all of mankind, lost without Christ, lost without hope, they'll be pressed out in the wine press of the wrath of God one day. And it's going to be a terrible day. It's going to be that great and terrible day of the Lord. What an awful thing to face for the lost without Christ. Yet those of us who are saved by the good grace of God, we've experienced the chastening hand of the Lord. He tells us that every one of us has been born of God, has been chastened of him. And so we understand that chastening hand. We understand uh, what God can do to righten us, to correct us, to change us, to make us a better Christian, if you will. And so he says, neither chasten me in thy hot displeasure. I want to look at a companion scripture again to this. In Psalm 38, Psalm 39 are both companions. They're both messianics concerning Jesus Christ, Psalms of Messiah. And here, this is to the chief musician, even to Jeduthun, a psalm of David. And we begin reading in verse 7, where the word of God says, oh, Now, Lord, what wait I for? My hope is in thee. Deliver me from all my transgressions. Make me not the reproach of the foolish. I was dumb. I opened not my mouth, because thou didst it. And by the way, that is referring to Isaiah 53, as a lamb before her shearers is dumb. What is her shearers? Well, a man in the offering, the burnt offering, had a choice between a, he could bring a ram or he could bring a ewe of the flock. And that's why as a lamb before her shearers was done, he was that offering. He was that burnt offering for us. He was that sin offering for us. And where the God goes on, and says, remove thy stroke away from me. I am consumed by the blow of thine hand. And then verse 11, really the focus, I read all those verses to say this, when thou with rebukes dost correct man for iniquity, thou makest his beauty to consume away like a moth, surely every man is vanity, Selah. And again, so in verse 10, I am consumed by the blow of thine hand, that is Job, and again, Job chapter 16, we have spoke of that last week on the podcast, but then verse 11, when thou with rebukes dost correct man for iniquity. Thou makest his beauty to consume away like a moth. There again, we're talking about Jesus Christ here. We're talking about the Son of God. Uh, his visage more marred than any man. Why? Because the Father has run upon him like a giant. The Father has taken him by the neck and has shaken him. The whole world shook there on Calvary. And so his beauty has fled away. His beauty uh, is consumed away, rather what the Word of God says, like a moth. 
And so I want to look at that chastening of the Lord. I want to look at the, the Lord rebuking men. Why? Because his correction is for iniquity. And it was commonly believed, and I don't have any trouble believing this either, but when you reprove, you're given instruction. When you rebuke, you're given instruction. When you're correcting, you're given instruction. But the Word of God also used the term instruction. So each one of those has instruction, but each one of those is a different variable. And I believe that to reprove is a strong verbal correction. Now, you could write it. You can put it in uh, writing as God has done for us. But then that rebuke, and the reason I say rebuke is a stronger admonition. It's only stronger in the sense, they that sin rebuke before all that others may fear. You're going to call out their sin. You're going to call their name. You're going to point out their sin to them. And it's in the hopes that they would be corrected by God. It's not a personal Correction is not a personal issue. It's not a matter between me and you or he and she and her and her or him and him in the church. No, it's a matter of what God wants in the hopes they would see that God is trying to correct them. And so if there are those that are in open sin in the church, and by the way, uh, Brother Don Green up in Michigan many years ago, he made the statement to me personally, and he said, Brother McVeigh, he said that open sin is dealt with openly in the church. He said, in secret sin is dealt with at the Lord's table. He said, God looks upon the heart. And he said, I have seen more people corrected at the Lord's table than I've ever seen dealt with publicly in the church. Why? Because men cover and hide their sins. I'm no longer quoting Brother Green. I'm going to speak on behalf of Tim McVeigh at this point. A lot of people try to bury those things. They try to hide those things. Why? They don't want to be rebuked. They don't want to be corrected. They don't want anyone to speak out against them and about but their folly and their sin. One of the great tragedies of today, and it is an absolute tragedy of today, is we have a generation today that uses the internet as their sounding board. Uh, they go on the internet and they go on different venues and different platforms on the internet, and they use that to vent their frustrations, to vent their bitterness, to vent their anger. Uh, they've attacked men of God. They've also attacked charlatans. They've attacked hirelings, but they've attacked true men of God. Why? Because they have a personal vendetta. And oftentimes, you trace it back, you'll find out that somewhere in their life, they were corrected, and they take it as a personal attack. They take it as a personal correction. They take it as though this was directed at me. They were speaking to me, never cognizant of the fact that sometimes it was God trying to deal with them. I understand that men can use a pulpit as a, as a stump. They can use a pulpit to attack. They can use a pulpit to beray others. But can I also say there are many times in my own personal life that God has dealt with me out of the pulpit from the word of God. As that man of God stood in the pulpit, I say many times, not even knowing why he said the things he said, or why he prepared this particular part of the message, or why God had him say these things, oftentimes it's concerning to him that he even made those statements. But I know, and God knows, it was directed to me. It was directed for me. And I, myself as a preacher, I've had people approach me after the service, a preacher, that message was for me. Some say it out of uh, simply an obligation to duty or a form of, of practice, but others come with all sincerity of heart and say, that message was for me. I've had people come and confess that God has saved them at a time around the services. And they say, God had that message for me tonight. God had me here tonight. God had that distinctly for me. Why? A holy God in heaven works for our benefit. He corrects us. He instructs us. In this passage, Psalm 39, 
we're dealing with the Son of God. We're dealing with what we call the Psalm of Messiah, a Messianic Psalm. This is the Father dealing with his Son. This is the Son of God, Jesus Christ. And he's speaking to the prophet David. And he says, when thou wast rebuked us, correct man for iniquity, thou makest his beauty to consume away like a moth. Surely every man is vanity, Selah. There is no profit to us maintaining our standing with men. There's no profit with us maintaining our standing with the church. There's no profit maintaining our standing in our marriage, our standing before our children, our standing before our marriage, if our standing with God has been severed because of iniquity. And yet, the things we hold so dear, the things of the flesh, the appearance of the flesh, those things that are so precious to us, God considers them nothing. These are vanity. There's an emptiness there. There's a shallowness there. God is concerned about the relationship between us and him. Again, I don't want to simply harp on this, and I don't want to be a sounding board against this, but recently we've come across this in our own ministry. Those that are using the weapon of the internet to destroy and to attack and to promote themselves, and yet they've never come under the chastening of God. They never come under the instruction of God. Why? Because even as a man of God has preached and the man of God has taught the word of God to them, they've rejected the word of God. They've rejected the truth of the word of God. Everything's through that prism of bitterness. Everything's taken through the eyes of their bitter life. And so therefore, anybody that speaks out against their sin or against their iniquity, they challenge them on a personal level, having absolutely no concept that this is God trying to deal with them. And God forbid, those of us listening to the podcast, God forbid that we sit there and listen to correction and instruction and, and listen to God resisting us and then blame the man for standing against us when it's God that's standing against us. It's God that's resisting us. He said, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. And so it's through the word of God that we'll look at these next scriptures. It's through this blessed King James Bible. The word of God said this in Psalm 39 and verse 11. Surely every man is vanity. So he tells us this is not us. This is about him. This has nothing to do with us. This is that God in his holiness and the beauty of holiness might shine through. But he said this in verse 11. When thou with rebukes dost correct man. Now, I'm not a great student of English, and so I had to look this up. And that word dust, in the court, is considered archaic. It's a word reserved primarily in the King James Bible, and it's preserved in the King James Bible for us and rarely used today, if ever. But it's a second person, singular, present word. And I had to look that up. And I said, well, what in the world is a singular, present word? And I realized it's, it's one person speaking. But the other person is speaking through that person. And so he said that the wreath rebukes dust correct man. Who's the subject? Thou. Who is thou? It's the Lord God. It's the Lord of verse 7. He's the subject of this sentence. Thou. Oh, Lord, you're holy. Oh, Lord, you're just. Oh, Lord, this sentence is about you. This topic is about you. And because of that, I'm going to speak on your behalf that you, oh, Lord, Dust correct man for iniquity. 
So we see a singular presence there. We see it wasn't just written that God did this. God is still doing this. God is actively doing this. God has not only done this, but God has done this and will continue to do this. Why? Because he's an ever-present God. He's an ever-holy God. And his presence is ever amongst the saints of God, is ever with the saints of God. And therefore, he does correct them. He does instruct them. God does chasten them. And to God be all praise and all honor and all glory that he's still in the business, if you will, for lack of a better term on my part, but he's in the business of correcting his own. Psalm 21 verse 9 says this, thou shalt make them as a fiery oven in the time of thine anger. The Lord shall swallow them up in his wrath and the fire shall devour them. And so there's the anger of the Lord. There's the Lord chastening. There's the Lord's hand upon men. There's the, a view of the Lord's wrath upon men. Psalm 77 and verse 9, the word of God says, hath God forgotten to be gracious? Hath he in anger shut up his tender mercies? Selah. No, God has not forgotten to be gracious. He's a gracious God. He's a God that gives all grace. Hath he in anger shut up his tender mercies? God's mercy has abounded to men. There comes a time when God's mercies will be cut off. He that letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. Then that man of sin, the son of perdition, that man of sin is going to be revealed to this world when the Holy Ghost is taken out of the way and he's moved aside that that man of sin might rule. God's mercies will not have ended, but God's mercies will have been removed. Psalm 78 and verse 21, the word of God said, therefore the Lord heard this and was wroth. What did he hear? They smote the rock in the wilderness. The streams overflowed. Can he give bread also? Can he provide flesh for his people? There the lustful children of Israel lusted for flesh in the wilderness. The Lord heard this and was wroth. So a fire was kindled against Jacob. And anger also came up against Israel. Why? Because they believed not in God and trusted not in his salvation, though he had commanded the clouds from above and opened the doors of heaven and had rained down manna upon them to eat and had given them of the corn of heaven. The Lord continually in the book of Exodus reminds the children of Israel, I brought you out of the land of Egypt. I gave you this manna from heaven. I gave you this provision. I'm the one that gave you water from the rock. And yet, yet they murmured against God in the wilderness. God had done great and mighty things for them. God had poured out his mercy upon them. Verse 12 of Psalm 70, said, marvelous things did he in the sight of their fathers. And it's no wonder God was wroth with them. It's no wonder God's anger flamed as a fire against them. Why? Because he had opened the doors of heaven. He rained down man up on them. He had given them all spiritual blessings in heavenly places, gave them the corn of heaven, man did eat angels' food, and he sent them meat to the full. But what did they say? They believed not in God and trusted not in his salvation. Because they were the children of God, God had no choice but to chasten them because of that unbelief. In verse 38 of Psalm 78, he, being full of compassion, forgave their iniquity and destroyed them not. There's God's mercy. Yea, many a times turned his anger away and did not stir up all his wrath. And so God in his mercy turned his anger away, did not stir up all of his wrath. He withheld from the children of Israel. In verse 49, he cast upon them the fierceness of his anger, wrath, and indignation, and trouble by sending evil angels among them. 
He made a way to his anger. He spared not their soul from death, but gave their life over to the pestilence. Why? Because of his anger. Verse 58, the word of God says, for they provoked him to anger with their high places and moved him to jealousy with their graven images. And so we see this God of anger, this God of wrath is also a God of mercy. And if men will obey the word of God, God can show them mercy. God wants to pour out his mercy. God wants to be gracious to them. God has kept his wrath from the children of Israel when they repented. But then they turned back to idols. They put the high places up. They provoked the Lord God of heaven. They provoked him to anger. And so he poured out his wrath. His wrath was kindled upon his own children. So we see the psalmist here, and he says, Rebuke me not in thine anger. He knows the anger of Almighty God. Neither chasten me in thy hot displeasure. We'll continue this study on chastening the anger and the wrath of God next podcast. There's a lost soul who's tired of his sinning, and he longs to return to the Lord as he cries for forgiveness and mercy. You have been listening to the Daily Doctrine Podcast with Evangelist Tim McVeigh. For correspondence, please contact us through our website and someevangelist.com and use the contact form to connect with us. You may also subscribe to the podcast through our website or search for Daily Doctrine Evangelist Tim McVeigh on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Audible, or Amazon. To write to us, please use our church address, which is Manasseh Community Baptist Church, 70 Back Hollow Road, Blaine, Pennsylvania, 17006. Thank you for listening, and we pray that the Lord will help each of us as we study and preach the Word of God. Don't forget to subscribe and tune in tomorrow. And remember to look up for your redemption draweth nigh. Oh